Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words from St. Paul, and I pray that today you would speak to us through them into our hearts. Help us to see Jesus in his name. Amen. What is love? If you listen to music, love is all around. Love is real. Love is wanting to be loved. Love is pain. Love is vengeance. Love is an open door. Love is, of course, all you need. Whatever else love is, it has certainly inspired a lot of song lyrics. Now, I don't know if they still do, but food and drinks companies used to do those uh, competitions, didn't they, where you had to complete the sentence uh, to win a crate of whatever it was. So, like, I love shreddies because, or um, I love galaxy chocolate or whatever. At first, they sound easy, don't they? Oh, well, yeah, that's one of my favourite things. I must be able to say why I love it so much. But then it's kind of hard, isn't it? I'm not allowed to say why I love galaxy chocolate because we live too near Cadbury's. (laughs) Love is. Love is. Today is the last in our series called Seeing the Sun, looking at the first four chapters of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Except, as Graham pointed out, uh, chapter 13 is not one of the first four chapters of that letter. We're ending with chapter 13 because I think it summarises the key point that Paul is trying to teach the Corinthians. That most excellent way that he talks of in verse 31 of chapter 12. We've seen how the Corinthians were tearing themselves apart by arguing who was the best leader the best preacher, with the cleverest teaching or the the most impressive oratory. In human terms, they were a hugely successful church with loads of people, loads of money, and plenty of things going on. But they had drifted away from their anchor. They had lost sight of their core, the centre, which is Jesus. Time after time after time, Paul tells the Corinthians, see the Son, see Jesus, look to the message of the cross, live by his Spirit, listen to his teaching, look and live like Jesus. Given all that, it may seem strange to be ending the series, therefore, on a chapter which doesn't mention Jesus once. Except, of course, it does. Jess and I were away last week in Pembrokeshire, and uh, most of the week we were walking along different sections of the Pembrokeshire coast path. It was beautiful, uh, except for one bit where there was a couple of miles where there was a barbed wire fence on our left and a 10-foot high hedge on our right. Although when Jess proofread this sermon, she burst out laughing at this point and pointed out that the hedge was actually only six feet high, (laughs) But in ruining the view, it had made me so grumpy, I must have added the extra four feet in my mind. She doesn't normally proofread my sermons, but I've been a bit out of it over the last few days, so I wanted her to make sure I wasn't saying anything stupid. We'll see (laughs) how much she loves me later. I knew there was a beautiful, rugged coastline that we'd gone all that way to see. I could hear the waves crashing against the cliffs. And as I said several times, what's the point in being here if I can't even see the sea? 
I confess, brothers and sisters, I am known to be grumpy. <laughs> being, able, being able to go, that was a very uh, knowing laugh, Bobby. <laughs> wow. Well, when's your reader review coming up? I just... <laughs> Being able to go on holiday with my lovely wife, being out in the fresh air, getting some much-needed exercise, they are good things. They are good things to be enjoyed. And at that moment, quite deep down, but I was enjoying, I was enjoying those things. But at the same time, there was something missing. We love the sea. That's why we went there. We went to be by the coast, to see the sea. I find the sea calming. Um, Even when the waves are crashing against the rocks and the cliffs, there's something about the sheer size and scale of it, and it just goes on into the distance that lifts up my eyes and gives me peace. And Paul lists several good things in these first verses of chapter 13. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, he means both human languages, being able to speak more than one language, and also the spiritual gift of being able to speak in tongues. He then says, if I have the gift of prophecy, well, that's a good thing as well. Most of the time, prophecy is not about predicting the future, but reminding God's people of God's word, calling them to live lives of holiness. That's a good thing to do. He carries on, if I have faith that can move mountains... It's not about having a large enough amount of faith to be able to move the mountain, but having faith in a God who is powerful enough to do that. Then he says in verse 3, if I, have, if I give all I possess to the poor, well, that's surely got to be a good thing as well, being generous to the poor. If I give over my body to hardship, let's keen on that one. <laughs> being generous to the point of sacrifice is a good thing, though not an easy thing. Friends, these are all good things that Paul is listing. And yet, without love, we may as well, he says, be a clanging symbol. Without love, verse 2, he says, I am nothing, I gain nothing. Without love, we may as well not bother. Doing all these things without love is like doing a coast walk when you can't see the sea. They're a good thing to do, but they're missing The main thing, love. Graham's kind of ruined my next sentence already, unfortunately, which is, does it surprise you to find Paul defining love to the Corinthians? Well, obviously, as Graham says, they needed it defining because they didn't understand what it means. But, so I'm not quite sure where I'm going with this now, but surely we all know what love is. Surely we do. That's why so many songs are about love, because it's about something that we can relate to. The thing is, I think what we all know as love is a pale imitation of what love really is, which is why Paul had to teach the Corinthians what love is. Real love, true love, which has nothing to do with Hollywood endings, I think that is something that we need to be told about. Hear what Paul says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love 
does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Graham's also ruined the next sentence in my sermon. <sighs> Can't get the staff, can you? Yes, yeah. I know this passage is often chosen at weddings. But it is about far more than the love between a husband and wife. It describes the way in which God calls all of us to love everyone. It's the way in which God calls us to love full stop. Whether that is friends, family, even our Christian brothers and sisters, our enemies, people we don't get on with or don't like, people who are different from us. This is how we should love them. And if this were a tick list or a score sheet, I wonder how you would do. To be honest, if this is what love is, then I'm not sure I love Jess very much. Am I always patient? My mother-in-law gave me a look then. <laughs> it's a joy having you in, my, in the church. Am I always patient? Absolutely not. Am I always kind? Most of the time, I hope, but sometimes I can be nasty. Do I get easily angered? Yes, though not usually by her, but she bears the brunt of it when I get angry with other people. Do I get jealous of the time she spends at work? Yes. Am I selfish? Often. Oh dear. My score sheet's not looking so good, is it? I wonder what yours would look like. Given I fail regularly in at least half of these... Does that mean I don't love Jess? What's going on here? Well, we thank God for verses 9 and 12. Verse 9, for we know in part. Verse 12, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Now, it's important to know here that for Paul, mirrors were different. For us, mirrors are effectively perfect, aren't they? You might not like what you see, but it's reflecting what reality is. Hence the phrase, mirror image. Some of you know I'm a computer geek. In computing, a mirror is an exact copy of the original. But for Paul, mirrors were different. They were usually polished metal, bronze often. They were not perfectly flat, and they did not give a perfect image. So in Paul's day, people didn't really know what they looked like. Imagine telling that to a 21st century teenager. If you hold a mirror to your own love or the love of others for you, don't expect to see an exact reflection of this. Expect to see something like this, recognisable as what Paul describes, but falling short. Only in part. Because our brokenness and our hurt and our sin are like the imperfections of a bronze mirror. We still reflect something of God and his love, but not perfectly like this. I'm a perfectionist, so I find that hard. But it is also encouraging because it means maybe I do love Jess after all. For me, one of the hardest things about being a Christian is that I constantly fail to imitate 
Jesus. I wish that I could be a perfect mirror, reflecting all of him to all of you and to the world. But I don't. But neither do I reflect nothing of Jesus. Imperfect though they are, bronze mirrors do show an image. They do reflect something. And that is what God asks of us. For although God requires perfection, he doesn't require it from us. Someone's already done that. You see, Paul was not writing an abstract essay here. He was describing a person. And because we're in church, you all know the answer. Jesus. Swap the word love in this passage for Jesus, and you'll see what Paul is talking about. Or rather, you'll see who Paul is talking about. Because actually, without using the word Jesus once, this passage is all about him. Jesus is not a bronze mirror. He is a perfect reflection. In Hebrews 1, he is described as an exact imprint of God's being. He does reflect God and his love perfectly. Jesus alone is perfect love because he alone gave everything, even his life for love. God loved the world in this way. He sent his son to die in our place, to bring forgiveness and new life to all who repent and put their trust in him. In Jesus, God shows us the depths and the lengths to which his love will go to find us and to bring us home. So to win that competition, the prize for which is everlasting life, we simply need to complete the phrase, love is Jesus. Love is Jesus. He alone is true love. And he alone shows us what it means to love truly. Amen.